All right, good morning. It is 8.07 here on the KCO Day radio program. It is Friday. It is Good Friday. Uh, Ross is having to work. He's very upset. He's protesting. <laughs> Refusing to speak to me. <laughs> uh, uh, the only thing he'll do is he'll blast uh, religious music at me. Calendar joining us. How you doing, sir? I am doing well. But it isn't, I mean, I could see the beef there working after 12 noon isn't that the deal it's noon to three is right yes right so what's up ross <laughs> he says you're number one so that's nice so, fair yeah, enough what's up ross the way everybody wants to know man i'm sorry all i heard was oppression coming this way oh yeah and i can't hear you over the bigotry of my over my first amendment rights it's disgusting it really is you know this it's is literally sickening. you know this is literally jim crow it is yeah. exactly it's like jim eagle jim. even it's jim eagle yeah well let's not get crazy man let's not get crazy <laughs> i love how everything's jim crow so you saw that now uh, the texas law is jim crow mm-hmm. and the florida uh, uh riot bill which for those you don't know has escalating charges if you burn down a CVS during a riot, um, there's an extra charge with that. That's literally Jim, Jim Crow. Crow. Literally, yeah. Yeah, everything's Jim Crow. Yeah, and so is... I, I feel like we're we're back in this escalation, like under Trump, and it's like, when are we going to get to literally Hitler? And then we got to literally Hitler, and I'm like, where do you go from here? So Right. Um, well, this is, it, it really is remarkable. McClatchy, their editorial board, right, they just put out that, <clears throat> uh, uh, that editorial about Republicans and the vote here in... Uh, uh, North Carolina about the uh, the election laws, right? This bill that the Senate right. is running, changing. I mean, these are four changes. And like, to be clear, these are not radical changes. Number one is it's going to ban the third party donations. And this was necessary because why? The last election, we saw guys like Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook pump millions of dollars into the state, which ironically enough, like the, the McClatchy folks don't seem very interested in that story for some reason. I've covered it. I've talked to a guy who did a bunch of research into it, tracing the money these these groups have done. I mean, this has never been done before where you've got these nonprofits that literally put millions of dollars into local boards of elections to help them, mm-hmm. quote unquote, run elections. And so you got people who are volunteering, quote unquote, for the board. They're they're running operations, but they're getting paid by this grant money from uh, Zuckerberg's group, which has been doing this all over the country. Does that raise concerns? Could you imagine if it was the Coctopus, any of the, their organizations yes. that was pumping money into local boards of elections? Like so they so the, so the first thing they do, they're like. No more of that. We're not doing that anymore, right? Get rid of that. Number two is to require that the absentee ballots arrive by Election Day. And this is a fairly new law. This was passed in 2009, and the McClatchy editors are like, well, Republicans all voted for it in 2009. Okay, fine. So does that mean the law never changes? So laws can never change. I mean, it changed in 2009 after 36 years of you know, your ballots having to be in the board of elections by the election day, right? That was the, that was what the law was for almost four decades before. But, but the pushback is, and I think it's fair to have this as part of the discussion, which is why you have to have carve outs in laws like this is when you have people, the mail being notoriously slow Mm -hmm. when you're, you're coming from a combat theater. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and so people push back on that. And then in these, uh, Republicans have to address that if they want that. Right. But but that's not the pushback. That's not what they're whining about. Correct. Right. Because this is, do you treat, you know, overseas military ballots uh, differently than citizens who live down the street? 
right? Like, of course, these are different situations. It gets to a point, though, where it borders on the ridiculous in that uh, at some point, folks have to take responsibility for actually giving a rip, you know, and voting. Like, I, I, why is it on me to make sure that you get down and vote uh, you know, one minute before the polls close with your absentee ballot. Why is that or be on in me? Line. Or be in line. Yeah. Or be in line. You've yeah, got you, you've yeah. got sixty days of absentee ballot voting. Six you two months. And, and then one of the arguments from uh, one of the Democrats was, well, you know, what if somebody, uh, it, you know, they vote absentee and they send it in two weeks prior because that would be the new deadline. Two weeks before the election day, they're not going to give you another absentee ballot uh, because they're like, look, two weeks is election day. This is probably not going to get back to us in time. So this is the cutoff. And right now it's only a week. And so this uh, I think it was Marsha Mori. Maybe she was saying, um, well, what happens then if um, we try to send this back? Or no, she's the represent. Yeah. Or yeah. Anyway, Marsha Moore, I think, is who uh, or Natasha Marcus was making this argument that, well, what do we do if we try to uh, send it back and it's too late, you know, and then something happens like Cal Cunningham. She didn't say Cal Cunningham. But what happens if there's some late development that now, you know, I want to change my mind? Well, then don't vote early. Like, like, right. What can I do in that situation? Nobody what was is- concerned with this last time either. Because remember <laughs> when we see those percentages of the last one, they're like, like, what was it initially of the absentee? They're like thirty percent of the country's already voted, right? And we were like, we were over a month out, and I remember thinking, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not. It has to be a September surprise now because October doesn't count anymore, right? So like, and they're like, well, these are restrictions, voting restrictions. <clears throat> like, newsflash: every single law is a restriction of some kind. Otherwise, what? There's no end to voting. We just like, can I go back and vote in the 2020 election right now? Well, no, that's obviously you know too late. Well, why? That you're restricting me, right? So this idea that any kind of a restrict, any kind of a law equals a restriction, and all restrictions are Jim Crow. This is what I'm now referring to as blue and on conspiracy theories, right? And this is being pushed by the McClatchy editorial board. There's there's nothing yes. Jim Crow about this. They're literally changing a date from you know three days to prior to three days. Like they're moving a deadline. That's it. There already is a deadline. So if you're going to call a deadline Jim Crow, then what are you actually saying here, right? Like you can't ever change a deadline except to make it more expansive and let it go on forever and ever and ever. It's insanity. And of course, they don't ever talk about the mobile ID unit that they're going to fund, you know, $5 million. So they will literally show up at your house, take your picture, get your documents, give you a photo ID for free so you can vote. And this is Jim Crow as well. And they completely lied about what was in the Georgia elections bill as well. Like, so like they're not only carrying water for the Democrats here, like regurgitating their talking points, but it's incredibly destructive. It is as destructive as the, you know, all the elections are rigged line that right. they, that they were criticizing Absolutely. Trump for. There's two and there's two things, especially on the Georgia thing. One. Uh, people, and I, I talked about this earlier, people need to recognize that calling everything Jim Crow about elections is an e- is a means to an end. The mm-hmm. end is we have to have H.R. 1 and we have to get rid of the filibuster to do it. Mm-hmm. They just need they need the outrage to a spinal tap 11 right. so that they can pull properly on this because even in the Democratic Party, there's divide. Right. Secondly, and I, 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 uh, I can't remember who said it, but it was they said the most – the most Jim Crow thing about the Georgia election law is that there's two sem- uh, Democrats as senators, right? <laughs> and and 
That's it. That's it right there, man. Yeah. Well, one of the things they're like the the McClatchy editors are like, oh, they're you know uh, limiting the ballot drop boxes. Hey, Einstein's. You know how many ballot boxes are allowed under current Georgia law? Zero. You're None. Right. Yeah. It's an it's an emergency. There was a declaration of an emergency due to COVID, and because of that, they put these drop boxes all over the place. This law creates them this law allows that as a permanent feature now now what they're complaining about is that they're going to restrict their locations to boards of elections and you're gonna have to pick up the ballots every single day by close of business now why would you do that suppression jim crow 2.0 no it's so people don't ruin the ballots like some you you roll up to a drop box after hours say 1 a.m pour a bunch of water in there ruin all the ballots right that's the concern it's election integrity and they're like, well, I don't know why anybody would have any doubts about the election integrity. If they do, it's because Donald Trump did it. Even if that's the case, even if that's the case, you cannot have half of the population believing that the election uh, process is completely rigged against them. And by the way, I didn't see this concern expressed when Stacey Abrams ran around Georgia for the last four years saying she won the governor's race. You guys, you guys actually lifted her up onto a pedestal and said, please, let's replicate her efforts all over the southeast. They're, they're, they give this woman awards, prime speaking opportunities. I, for the life of me, can't figure out the appeal there. Because when I just listen to her and try to remove the rhetoric of whatever the issue is, uh, she strikes me as somebody who doesn't have a lot of original ideas, but is very, very, very keyed into whatever talking point you want to feed her. Right. She's and, an, Well, and, she's an avatar, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, – well, anyway. Um, now, we talked about that and specifically about the emergency declaration that brought that on. Here in North Carolina, since day one, my thing has been we can't have a scenario where whoever the governor is can kick us into an emergency, um, which he or the legislature can, and then permanently hold us in there for as long as they deem fit, you know, sending pronouncements from the mount. We can't have a scenario where that is an unchecked power. I don't care who it is. So the Republicans um, have put a bill together that we talked about last time. It's finally been voted on. The House vote doesn't have a veto override majority. Mm-hmm. They're short three votes. The Senate likely will also end up that way because the governor controls them by picking up the phone and calling Democrats who then vote because a Democrat called them however they want. <laughs> um, this thing isn't going to happen, is it? Doesn't look like it, it which is this is a great juxtaposition, too. Because what are Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, what are they screaming um, uh, on the election reform bill, right? Jim Crow, voter suppression, democracy, protect the democracy, and Republicans are trying to undermine the democracy, right? And now, flip to this story. You've got one guy making decisions for almost 11 million people in perpetuity with near limitless power. And the, the Democrat response on this is, don't, cha- don't take away his powers because... People could die if he doesn't have it. Like, that's the best argument they come up with. Don't change this, even though it's obviously an error in the bill drafting that occurred years ago when they first uh, wrote the bill up. It's obviously intended to force the governor to get the consent of the Council of State. It was mentioned in, you know, Section B, and then it was Mm -hmm. not carried over into Section C. And so he's using Section C as the justification for these sweeping, limitless, you know, in perpetuity 
emergency orders. And so they're saying, no, you should actually get Council of State buy-in, which, by the way, do you think more people would have um, gone along with some of these orders, the mask mandate and all that? Do you think there would be more buy-in? This is the argument Destin Hall was making, that there's more buy-in if you've got Council of State support, when you have that discussion and you have a unified front. And I think that probably would have happened at the beginning. It might not have been unanimous. You know, Dan Forrest might have objected to some stuff. But but I think you would have had a better chance of rallying everybody together. But that argument about you know, preserving and protecting democracy goes right out the window when it comes to their guy in the executive office making all of these decisions with a board of advisors that I don't know who they are. We still don't know who's on his advisory panel, these experts that he relies on. We don't know who they are. So I'm not buying the line that they're the defenders of democracy because this would be a really good opportunity to prove it. And I haven't seen any, you know, media editorial boards come out and say Governor Cooper should, you know, should sign this and and promote this and give back these powers, you know, for democracy in the interest of democracy. He's not doing that. They're not calling for that. So I don't believe them when they make the arguments that that's what they're in it for, the preservation of democracy. Real quickly, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, what we're going to see is we're going to see the Roy Cooper model of uh, vaccine enforcement in the form of politicians getting business owners to be the enforcement bodies. I think that's largely what you're going to see. And we saw that, obviously, with the mask mandate. Uh, there was also on CNN, Dr. Leanna Wen. I don't know if you know who that is. I, I saw this. A, <laughs> yeah, OK, we're uh-huh. going to play this audio. This is this is the whole quiet part out loud, if I've ever seen it, yeah. and we're not recognizing where freedoms come from. It's clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people? <laughs> to actually get the vaccine. So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. I feel like this is, if people thought the mask mandate and all the stuff we just talked about was a kick kick and drag it out kind of thing, this vaccine's going to be that uh, probably on steroids mm-hmm. if they want to really get into this tracking. Which, uh, look, I, I am I, I've said from the beginning, I didn't I don't think that their sell job on the vaccine was very good, you know, in that they're telling people to go get it. But once you do, you still have to, you know, wear the masks and social distancing. Right. right? It's, it's a terrible sales pitch because then why would I do that? Right. Um, but I understand from a from a marketing perspective, it does make sense. You know, get the vaccine. You can do all of these things. Right. That makes sense to me. And it, I, I believe that to be true. Now, if you start, you know, requiring me to present you with papers that I'm vaccinated, well, you can go pound sand on that because I'm not going to do that. I will get the well, vaccine. That's fine, but yeah. you won't be able to get, you're not going to be able to participate in commerce. So it's your choice. Well, I mean, that's that's literally the line. You, If you want to participate in commerce, otherwise you're fine. You can do whatever you want. But, but if you want to participate in commerce, Pete Callender, mm-hmm. then uh, you need to fall in line, soldier. Well, this is this is the uh, what the prophet John Edwards uh, talked about with the two Americas. 
Like if you were like if you are interested and I become uh, increasingly convinced that there are a lot of people in America that really do want to see some form of uh, divorce or civil war because they think it won't affect them. They just think, let's just get rid of all those people that don't think like me and we'll live over here you know, by ourselves. And this will be a really good way to kind of foster uh, that journey, really, because if you're going to tell people that they cannot participate in society, they will form their own society or they will take yours down. That's usually I mean, those are the options that usually occur. They form their own. They, they take yours down or I guess they, you know, they bend to your will. But I don't think people with all the guns are going to do that. You know, I mean, yeah. I just I'm just spitballing here. All right, PeteCallinerShow.com, the website, PeteCallinerShow.com, K-A-L-I-N-E-R, show.com. Uh, check out the podcast, and we'll chat next week, okay, sir? All right, buddy, thanks. Always a pleasure. Yep.